Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a great show lined up for you today, including guests Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. He'll be joining us as well as Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, always commenting on what's happening here locally and around the globe. Uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is March the 17th and on this day in 461 A.D., St. Patrick, happy St. Patrick's Day, Christian missionary, bishop and apostle of Ireland, died of, uh, at Saul down Patrick, Ireland. <clears throat> Today he's honored with an annual holiday of St. Patrick's Day. One of, of what as much is known about Patrick's legendary life comes from Confessio, a book he wrote during his last years, <clears throat> born in Great Britain, probably in Scotland, to a well-to-do Christian family of Roman citizenship. Patrick was captured and enslaved at age 16 by Irish marauders. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. <clears throat> For the next six years, he worked as a herder in Ireland during turning to a deepening, deepening religious faith for comfort. Following the counsel of voice he heard in a dream of, one night he escaped and found passage on a ship to Britain, where he eventually returned and re reunited with his family. According to Confessio, in Britain, Patrick had another dream in which an individual named Victoricus gave him a letter entitled, The Voice of the Irish. As he read it, Patrick seemed to hear the voice of Irishmen pleading for him to return to the country and walk among them once more. After studying for the priesthood, Patrick was ordained a bishop. He arrived in Ireland in 433 and began preaching the gospel, converting many thousands of Irish and building churches around the country. After 40 years of living in poverty, teaching and traveling and working tireless, Patrick died on March the 17th, 461 in Saul, where he had built his first church. Since that time, countless legends have grown up around Patrick. Made the patron saint of Ireland, he is said to have uh, baptized hundreds of people in a single day and to have used a three-leaf clover, the famous shamrock, to describe the Holy Trinity <clears throat> in art. He's portrayed as a trampling on snakes in accordance with the belief that he drove out reptiles out of Ireland. For centuries, the Irish had observed the day of St. Patrick's death as a religious holiday, attending church in the morning and celebrating with food and drink in the afternoon. The first St. Patrick's Day Parade, though, took place not in Ireland, but in the United States. Records show that St. Patrick's Day Parade was held on March the 17th, 1601. In Spanish colony, under the direction of a colony's Irish vicar, Ricardo Artur, more than a century later, homesick Irish soldiers serving in the English military marched in Boston in 1737 in the New York City on March uh, 1762. As the years went on, the parades became a show of unity and strength for persecuted Irish-American immigrants, and then a popular celebration of Irish-American heritage. The party went global in 1995 when an Irish government began a, a large-scale campaign to market St. Patrick's Day as a way of driving tourism and showcasing Ireland's many charms to the rest of the world. These days, March 17th is a day of international celebration as millions of people around the globe put on their best green clothing to drink beer, watch parades, and toast the luck of the Irish. Well, we missed our St. Patrick's Day. It was actually last Saturday. It's a big one here in uh, Naples. Uh, it gets a lot of fanfare around the globe for uh, 1.8 mile, many, many ex exhibits, uh, but it's over. It happened uh, last Saturday. However, this Sunday, the Naples Big Band, under the direction of Jim Castaldi and featuring vocalist Amy Bright and Lenny Ferentz, will be at Cambier Park in Naples on Sunday, March 27th at 2 p.m. The program will feature the music of Aretha Franklin, Frank Sinatra, Doc Severinsen, and much more. So bring your loved one in your smiles. It's all happening at uh, Cambier Park this coming Sunday at uh, 2 p.m. <clears throat> 
Big news is, of course, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky addressed the U.S. Congress on what encouraged the body to authorize greater sanctions and defenses of the Ukraine. As Zelensky's image came up on screen in Congress, the joint session of Congress stood up and cheered at a House Speaker Nancy Pelosi congratulated him for his courageous leadership. Zelensky, he said he was proud to greet Congress from Ukraine's capital city of Kiev, saying that the city doesn't give up. He said the population has been resisting the Russian aggression for eight years. Right now, the destiny of our country is being decided, he said. Russia's attacked not just us. It's went on with a brutal offensive against our values, basic human values. It's uh, through tanks and planes against our freedom, against our uh, right to live freely in our own country, he said through a translator. He appealed to Congress members' uh, love and dedication to freedom and Irish and Americans' wish to live freely. It's your great history, he said. You have pages that would allow you to understand Ukrainians. Understand us now, he said. Zelensky invoked the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor and launched the U.S. World of War, uh, World War II, as well as September the 11th, with the uh, U.S. being attacked by terrorists, which also ended up launching a war in the Middle East. Russia has turned to Ukrainian sky in the source of bl- uh, death for thousands of people, as Zelensky said, making an appeal for greater action for Congress. Certainly, he's got tremendous appeal and... Uh, magnetism. No question about that. I don't know. I just have a little bit of suspicion. You know, we've rushed into the war with Iraq, mess of, uh, weapons of mass destruction. Something just doesn't add up for me, though. He was installed. He, he was uh, through Soros. George Soros actually played a role. And of course, Russian oligarchs. Uh, Soros right now is speaking out against Russia. But uh, of course, Putin is... <clears throat> a nationalist, and uh, Zelensky, uh, Soros, is a globalist. So uh, I, I don't know where this is all going, and but I just smell a rat somehow, some way in all of this, and I think we should be hesitant before we get ourselves too involved uh, in World War III. Well, the Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rate target to a rate of 025 to 0.50% on Wednesday, the first hike since 2018. The move was widely expected after several Fed officials indicated the Fed would hike its target at the conclusion of the March meeting at the uh, Federal uh, Open Market Committee. Projections released by the Fed on Monday showed that officials expect to raise rates by a quarter of a point at each of the Fed's six remaining meetings this year, bringing the uh, target to around 1.9%. That's up a full percentage point from its projections in December. The March projections also show officials expect inflation to running at 4.3% by the end of the year, up from 2.6% expected in December. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy prices, expected to run at 4.1%, up from 2.7% expected at the end of last year. The projections also show the Fed uh, officials expect its interest rate targets to rise to 2.8% by the end of the year and stay that high uh, the following year, following the expected long-term run rate of 2.4%. I don't know about you, but those rates sound awfully low in terms of inflation, and I certainly hope they're right about that, but those expectations and predictions about inflation seem low, especially about what's happening right now. Well, good news, the Fed uh, indicated they, although they're no longer expanding the balance sheet of purchasing bonds, it's not, it's not yet begun to shrink its balance sheet by not replacing bonds as they mature. The Fed says it's expected to uh, begin reducing its holdings of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities at the coming meeting. <clears throat> That's good news. Well, Pre- President Joe Biden has had 110 days with an approval index, the number of those who strongly approve minus those that strongly disapprove of his job performance at or under minus 24, far surpassing President Barack Obama and Donald Trump, according to Rasmussen reports. On Wednesday, March the 16th, 57% disapproved of Biden's job performance compared to 42% who approved, making it a net approval of minus 15%. However, 45% strongly disapprove compared to my, to 21% who strongly approve, making it an approval index of minus 24. According to Rasmussen reports, Biden has experienced 110 days of presidential approval index at or below 24, 
For comparison, Obama and Trump had only a few days in that territory. In January, uh, Biden uh, surpassed former uh, President Trump's worst record approval rating, dipping to minus 33. His dismal ratings come as the country continues to deal with stunning high gas prices, which keep climbing, by the way. Biden's, however, has refused to take responsibility, instead blaming Russian President Vladimir Putin. I'm sick of this stuff. <laughs> the American people think the reason for inflation is the government spending more money. He said, well, simply, that's not true. Another lie by President Joe Biden. Democrats didn't cause this problem. Vladimir Putin did, he asserted. Then on Wednesday, Biden continued to deflect, placing blame on oil and gas companies. Yet his refusal to take responsibility for bad policies yet to help him in the polls. A civics poll released Monday found that just 37% of the American people, of people who vote, approve of Biden's job. Approve of Biden. Sad indeed. Won't take responsibility. By the way, he discussed uh, Wednesday a new civil rights cause of action during remarks at an event celebrating the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. How many times have you heard? I bet everybody knows somebody somewhere along the line that is an intimate relationship. Uh, what happened was the guy takes a revealing picture of the naked friend or whatever in a compromising position, then literally blackmails that person, sending it out online, Biden said. He actually said that. He said that at, in, at public comments. You, he just can't stop reminding us that he's a deeply weird, creepy guy, Joe Biden. Of course, that's, that's the way his son is, sending out uh, pictures. <clears throat> well, the U.S. Senate passed a resolution Tuesday that would end the Center for Disease Control and Prevention's mask mandate for uh, air travel and public transportation. The resolution spearheaded by Republican Kentucky Senator Rand Paul picked up bipartisan support in a 57 to 40 vote. The vote comes as the Transportation Secretary announced Thursday that they would extend the current mask mandate for public transportation through April the 18th. Eight Democrats voted in favor of Paul's resolution, and of course only one Republican voted against it. Can you guess who? You're right. Uh, Utah Senator Mick Romney. Today, the Senate said enough is enough and sent a message to unelected government bureaucrats to stop the anti-science and anti-state requirement of mask mandates, Paul said in a statement. Since March 2020, unelected bureaucrats have incessantly declared that we should follow the science, but the same bureaucrats continue to defy science by imposing ineffective and restrictive mask mandates for individual traveling on public transit and airplanes. As the entire world is living learning to live with COVID, the federal government still uses fear-mongering to stubbornly perpetuate its mandates rather than giving clear-eyed, rational advice on how to best protect yourself from illness, he continued. That's why I forced the vote, and I applaud the Senate for rejecting this nonsense, Paul added. Hear, hear. Well done, Senator Rand Paul. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a 
week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a refreshing new social networking platform, and I hope you'll find out more and download the app by visiting choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. Worth checking out. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Keith, tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots organization education. Uh, we we spend a lot of energy fighting the indoctrination that's in our schools. Um, Keith, uh, you're breaking up that. a little bit. Uh, Keith, you're breaking up a little bit. If you could move closer to a window or something. Are you there? Yeah, I'm trying to get. Showing that I have four bars, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I'm okay. Well, let's. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, yeah, we're a, a grassroots organization of well over 110 groups. Uh, we focus on K through 12 education reform. Uh, to that, to us, that means um, stopping the indoctrination, both CRT and the uh, sexually explicit material that's in our schools. But we we just don't complain. We're really focused on solutions. So we're really strong uh, advocates for parental school choice. And and some of the major uh, scholarships that we have here in Florida. Yeah, I, I would uh, say you've certainly seen a, a great enhancement in Florida in the public schools about uh, uh, many of these issues. And I would credit the Florida Citizens Alliance for the great progress we've made. You certainly have traction not only with the governor's office, with the state legislature, with the Commission of Education. Just Keith, well done. I'm going to refer our listeners to your website, goflca.com, goflca.com. Keith, you had a big fundraiser, a big event uh, on March the 9th. How did it go? Went very well, exceedingly well. Uh, we had uh, Charlie Kirk and Dennis Prager and Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee. Uh, we had over 515 people wow. uh, attend at the Ritz. Um, all the indications from the many people we've talked to since was, quote unquote, an amazing event. Um, we almost doubled the, the uh, donations from the prior year. Great. So it, it more than doubled the cost to put it on at the Ritz, but uh, we still did okay. So it was a, a, all all uh, aspects were we're very pleased. Uh, glad to hear it, Keith. So the uh, legislative session is now over. You've done your good work and you've had a number of accomplishments. Just uh, wonder about your focus now at this point with the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. Yeah, well, we have teams in twenty plus counties, and we're we're encouraging them, and we're going to do here locally in Collier and Lee County. Uh, we're going to shift our focus to two things, um, forums, you know, we've got an election for school board members coming up in August at the primary. And so we're going to be focusing on uh, running forums and vetting those candidates and helping 
uh, voters here in Collier and Lee County uh, just vote more informed. Uh, the other major uh, effort we're embarking on is uh, Collier County uh, on March uh, 8th adopted uh, English language arts for grades 6 through 12 and math textbooks for grades uh, kindergarten through 12. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, uh, in, in our opinion, and we have a lawyer evaluating this, but in our opinion, they made a major mistake. Uh, they originally planned to... to uh, adopt those books on the consent agenda. And we voiced some opinion uh, to them uh, that it, it didn't make sense to do a, a you know a multi-million dollar textbook buy uh, with these woke companies uh, on a consent agenda. So interestingly enough, when we showed up at the meeting, they decided to move it to the new business, which was fine. Uh, but then they went one step farther. They actually moved it to new business as an evidentiary hearing without notice. Uh, they're required by law and by their own policy to give seven days of public notice uh, when they uh, are going to do a, a, a hearing. Um, they, in, other, in other words, Keith, how can we work around uh, the public opinion on this to do what we want to do? That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, well, what uh, the first step is uh, I, I put out a letter to the chairwoman of the Jen Mitchell and it literally gave them till this Friday to cure it uh, or admit they had a problem and tell us how they were going to cure the, the issue. Because the importance of it is once they made the adoption on the 8th of uh, April, I mean, 8th of March, they have till the 7th of April for us as residents to evaluate those books. So the clock is ticking. Mm -hmm. um, my position is because they, they, they made a major error in how they did it, they have to cure it and they have to reconvene a, a special board meeting or wait till the next uh, board meeting and, and readopt those books properly with a, with a proper notice. Hmm. Um, the, how we get them to do that, you know, history would tell you they do what they want to do. Um, I don't know if we're going to get to the point of a lawsuit or not over this, but uh, we're certainly uh, challenging what they did. And I'm hopeful that by tomorrow we will at least have a response back from uh, Chairwoman Jen Mitchell on what their plan is to fix the problem. Yeah, so that's um, very procedural. For our listeners' benefit that may not understand the issues that you're concerned about here, what is it that you're looking for? Why, why is it so important to review these texts? Well, the textbooks, um, and, and we've done this for a number of years, the textbooks, uh, particularly the teacher's guides associated with the textbooks, are uh, full of critical race theory, uh, sexually explicit material. And one of the questions I get from people, well, how can they screw up math? Uh, well, what they do is they, 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 the problems that the students are required to uh, solve <clears throat> mm -hmm. are stated using critical mass, uh, uh, critical race theory and sexually explicit material as content in the problems. Hmm. Um, so it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's not so subtle in many cases, and uh, particularly in the teacher's guide. So we're looking to get volunteers to evaluate each of those books. And if we do, and we find what we expect there, then we can force a hearing um, where, where we put enough pressure on them, they'll have to find other textbooks to adopt. Interesting, Keith. Uh, do you need volunteers? Yes, uh, we do. Uh, we've got several different groups that have committed to work with us on this, but we don't have a whole lot of time. If we can't get them to restart the clock because of the way they did this, then we're literally down to, uh, you know, three weeks yeah. uh, for people. And so we're, our plan is to have volunteers take a book. Uh, we'll give them a template so that, and a little bit of training so they know what they're looking for. And then they'll need to document their positions and be prepared to go to a uh, to submit those, which will force the hearing that we did each of the last several years. All right. How, how can people reach out and uh, participate and perhaps support the effort? And just just send an email to uh, to me, um, uh, Keith at goflca.org. Keith at goflca.org. Okay. Also visit the website uh, goflca.com and uh, make a contribution, support uh, the great efforts of the Florida Citizens Alliance. 
Keith at goflca.org is the uh, is the email address for Keith. If you'd like to participate in uh, taking a look at the textbooks and helping to resolve some of the concerns uh, of the Florida Citizens Alliance and all of us here in Florida for public education. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Have a great weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, <clears throat> Michael Cannon. He is the uh, research, I should say, he is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Bob. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Well, the Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We advocate individual liberty in all areas of life, which means we try to get the federal government to let you uh, run your own life and make your own own choices, live your life however you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others. And you you would not think that that would be a controversial proposition, but Washington, D.C. is full of people who want to tell you how to live your life. Well, and especially in your area of concern, which is health care. I mean, right now we've socialized health care so extremely in terms of uh, by comparison to other industries. It's you got a lot of work to do, Michael. That's right. You know, one thing that I'm working on at the Cato Institute right now is a paper that we'll be releasing soon that discusses how in the United States we have a larger share of health spending that is compulsory, that the government requires us to make, than in uh, most other advanced nations, although most people don't realize it because so much of that compulsory spending happens through the private sector. And for the first time in the last couple of years, compulsory medical uh, treatments. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in terms of vaccines, which is just unbelievable. So let's talk a little bit about that in terms of COVID right now. It looks like we've got good news on the horizon here. Uh, we've uh, seen uh, the spread of, of uh, COVID is, I think, diminished substantially. What are your thoughts? So all the uh, uh, trends are heading in the right direction. 
case numbers are heading downward uh, much they're far below their their peak from um, uh, just a few months ago the uh, hospitalization numbers and death rates from COVID are also trending downward. This is also the good, which is why we see so many uh, uh, jurisdictions lifting their mask mandates, for example. And uh, and still not everyone is uh, is convinced that we can let up, uh, you know, we can be less vigilant at this point, that we can relax some of these restrictions. Uh, but at, an interesting indicator, something you just brought up before we were on the air, was Rand Paul uh, getting a vote in the Senate on a measure that would roll back the uh, mask mandates that the federal government has imposed, the TSA has imposed, that on uh, on travelers, and that uh, that measure got a bipartisan majority of right. the Senate to. To, uh, vote to roll back those requirements, 57 members of the Senate. But, uh, and so, given that COVID is so polarizing along partisan lines, that is a remarkable measure. Uh, and, you know, kudos to Senator Paul for, for being able to highlight that a majority of the Senate wants to roll back those restrictions. But it also means that there are 40 senators representing some sizable chunk of the country who think that it's not time to lift those mandates or that we should still be deferring yeah. to, the, uh, to the government officials who are making these recommendations. Yeah, thank you. So, for, like I said, trends are pointing in the right direction, but there's, um, there's still some troubling stuff. Well, right, and of course, many of us are suspicious about the motivation for that, uh, having more to do with... Uh, uh, control and power than it has to do with disease, quite frankly. As I understand it, Nancy Pelosi is probably going to block the ability to make a vote in the House of Representatives on this bill, so it's probably not going to go anywhere. But I just really uh, do. By the way, <laughs> the other thing that Rand Paul did is uh, he wanted to eliminate the position of Anthony Fauci in the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in order to uh, get what he calls... Uh, they call him a dictator in chief <laughs> out of his position, which I quite frankly support as well. Well, Mr. Fauci has been there for a very long time. And even if you believe he is uh, effective, if a figure becomes so controversial that he's no longer persuasive, yeah, then there's a strong argument for replacing that person uh, with someone who would be more persuasive. And, uh, and and so, uh, you know, I have some sympathy for, for that. I, I don't know that anyone should be in that sort of a government position for the length of time that he has been. I certainly agree with that. So uh, with regard to uh, COVID uh, and uh, vaccines and therapeutics and uh, prophylactics, anything, any good news? So the New York Times in the past couple of days has reported some promising news, I'm not sure that it's good, but some promising news for those who received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. If you recall, you know, we had these three major vaccines approved in the United States, Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Moderna and Pfizer were the innovative mRNA vaccines, and the J&J &J vaccine was a more traditional vaccine. And it got a bad rap relative to the other two, uh, but the, because it did not provide, the data seemed to show, did not provide as much protection as the mRNA vaccine. But what the New York Times has reported is that data are coming in that suggest that it has been at least as effective. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been at least as effective as the Pfizer vaccine. You're breaking. That would be great news. That means the people who received it have more protection. It means there is a... Uh, a one-shot uh, vaccine that provides as much uh, protection as the two-shot mRNA vaccine, and uh, that it could, you know, that could be made more widely available within the United States and around the country, especially in the developing world. Yeah, you know, Michael, uh, you may have heard that uh, there's been a, I think the number was 88 uh, deaths in Fort Bragg. And many of these young people who are, you know, in the special forces and so forth have died in their bunks while they're asleep 
Uh, it may be, there may be a couple of suicides. There might be some uh, that it could be attributed to drug use. But the point is that apparently these some of these deaths are just unexpected. This ties in with the information about uh, people dying between the ages of 18 to 64, seeing a, a major spike in the number or percentage of deaths among the uh, that age cohort. Many are concerned that this may be a result of the vaccines. Any thoughts? Uh, I'm not sure that anyone has tied that uh, uh, any significant number of such deaths to the vaccine. Uh, there have been some. There's the, you know, the woman in Washington, I believe, that we discussed her uh, on the show before. Uh, to the extent that would be happening, of course, would be troubling, but I, I just don't think the data are there to show that that the risks of the vaccines exceed the risks of COVID or exceed the benefits right. of the vaccine. No, no, I agree with that. And, and I, I would just simply say that it raises a suspicion that certainly should be investigated. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, my hope is that there's not some sort of a cover-up on the part of Pfizer and other drug companies with regard to, you know, there's, there is a question around the data that's actually being released and shared with the public about this, and it's a very concerning. So Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, a terrific organization. I hope you check out the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Take care, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Seton, tell us about Less Government. Influence of government, and we're careening in the wrong direction. Well, the country is, but you're still trying, and we appreciate that, Seaton. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you wrote a great column. Much easier to maintain a domestic industry than to try and rebuild a new one. Boy, is that true? Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, I was looking at two industries. Really, it's a, it's one is the semiconductor 
industry. That's been in the news a lot, obviously. It's, it, you need semiconductor chips for everything digital. And over the decades, we've dwindled our domestic production to 12% of the world's chips come from the United States. Hmm. Um, 80% come from Asia. And half of those come from Taiwan. So when China inevitably takes Taiwan, I mean, the, the, China makes twice as many chips as we do at least. And then when they take Taiwan, and they're going to take Taiwan, uh, they dominate the semiconductor market. Right. And this was years and years of really stupid tax policy and regulatory policy and bad trade policy, where you're taxing and regulating companies. Meanwhile, China's over there bribing them to come over there with subsidies and tariff import limits, you know, tariffs and import limits on the on on our exports to them. So, hey, why, why not move over there? I mean, it makes perfect sense uh, from a bottom line business standpoint. So now we're, we're in a situation where finally D.C.'s woken up to this problem and they're going to start trying to – I think they're going to spend $52 billion as like a kickstart of the industry, but it's going to take at least 10 times that much investment sure. um, to get there. So you're, now you're talking half a billion dollars – oh, excuse me, half a trillion dollars of investment to, to get, really regain a foothold – in the in the international uh, semiconductor manufacturing uh, business, and that's a lot of money. And again, we need to we, we need to maintain, you know keep an eye on all the bad policies that made uh, the exodus happen to make the return happen. Less taxes, less regulations, and uh, even out the tr- the trade playing field. Yeah, just a, um, a couple comments, if I may. You'd think over twenty years that we'd have we got so many public employees that somebody would raise the question what are we doing about national security and could this end up harming us that'd be one question but the second of all that half trillion dollars that you mentioned wouldn't that come from the private sector well i'm saying to get it from the private sector you need to foster a better business climate Mm -hmm. you need less taxes you need less regulations you need to even out the trade playing field right and yes it would have to come from the private sector this like i said this 52 billion is one tenth of the by by some estimates is one tenth of what we need. So if it's fifty two billion, that's times ten. That's five hundred and twenty billion. That's more than half a trillion dollars. Yeah, you know, and you need that to get that investment. That's what Trump was talking about. Remember when Trump came in, he pointed to the trillions of dollars that's just parked overseas because the tax and regulatory and trade policies out of D.C. are so awful. Right, they'd rather have it sit there and do nothing than come here and pay taxes on it. And they started insourcing when he lowered the tax rates and lowered the regulations and started evening out the trade playing field. All this money started pouring into the United States um, from American American companies, international companies that are based in America. And they were just hiding the money overseas because of – they didn't want to be punished the way they were being punished by the U.S. government if they brought it home. Right. So that's so now you know building from we're basically going to have to build from scratch a semiconductor industry. Well, the other sector I looked at was the farming sector, of course, and that's even more important than. And you said uh, absolutely, semiconductors are a national security issue in addition to being a commercial commerce issue. Uh, well, you got to eat and. We've been overtaxing and overregulating the farmers, and we've engaged in stupid trade practices that allow billions and billions of dollars in foreign subsidies to pour in here in in cheap, uh, you know, below market price farm goods. Right. And that undermines our domestic farmers, our domestic food production, and ranchers. What a, uh, for, whenever I say the word farmers, think ranchers too, because obviously, you know, I'm not much of a vegetarian. I'm more of a yeah. of a carnivore, and you know, the, the ranchers are abused. You know, raising our cattle and our and our and our pork and and all this, this in many of the same ways the farmers are, and you know, it's a national security imperative to produce our own food, as we've seen with chain supply shortages. Your food wouldn't have to be sitting off offshore at, in Long Island. I mean, in uh, Long Beach, California, if it was grown in you know in Southern Illinois. Right. Um, and so we have a better. We, we've maintained a better farm and ranch 
sector than we have a semiconductor sector, but it's it's really teetering on the edge. We, you know, we've got these unaware conservatives that want to end our farm bill program for farmers, and really all the the only farm program that exists anymore is they get a loan. It's like it's like a bridge loan from the time they plant their crops till the time they sell them, and then they pay back the loan. So it's a cycle of, and and it's it's cost literally nothing for years. Mm-hmm. Every farmer that borrows pays back. And they want to kill this in the face of billions of dollars in foreign subsidies, direct payments to farmers overseas, which means they can charge that much less for their commodities coming in. Again, the, the example I always use, because it's, it's so much money for one crop, is Brazil is somewhere, but we, of course we don't know exactly, somewhere between two and a half and four billion dollars a year in subsidies just to their sugar farmers. Yeah. Well, how can our farmers compete against that? Right. They can't. Right. So we've got to again lower our taxes on farms, lower our regulations. Um, it's the regulations that are really hard on farmers too. You know, of course, the U.S. and all that. And we've got to even out the playing field. We've got to negotiate Brazil to stop being so completely absurd in sugar, and the other countries subsidize all kinds of things. I link to a bunch of farm subsidy programs all over the world, the EU, uh, Thailand, uh, India, uh, Japan even, um, and we've got to you know, even that out yeah. so it's more of a field, and, and that will foster a domestic... I, you know, we're the United States. We're still almost certainly the most technologically advanced country, and that comes that that applies to the farm sector. Yeah, we can on a level playing field. I think our farmers can beat other countries in their in their farm practices and on prices on their goods. Unfortunately, we don't have that level playing field. Well, not only that, but we can't count on the Biden administration to make it level. No. can't and 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 again we have we still have a bigger farming sector and it's easier to foster what already exists rather than trying to start all over like we're trying to do with the semiconductor and so there are so many issues around this important issue uh this topic including selling land off to everybody from bill gates to the chinese here our farmland the chinese are buying our farmland which is the uh, which is the ultimate end step if we don't correct this yep. problem Unbelievable. Seton Miley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Take a look at Seton's columns. They're really, uh, really interesting and important. Uh, This one, much easier to maintain a domestic industry than to try and rebuild a new one. Uh, Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be uh, visiting, by the way, uh, lessgovernment.org is the website, lessgovernment.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? Suffering from debilitating pain in my knees? On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, 
was founded to support the establishment and expansion of Superior Schools of Choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.optimaed.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Terrific organization. I proudly serve on their board, and I hope you'll check out the website, The FDA. Among other things, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And again, thefga.org is the website. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, thank you. It's um, absolutely my pleasure to be here on this beautiful, warm Thursday uh, in March. It is a warm. We've had a cold spell, though. Haven't we had some really cold weather? Yeah, it didn't last long enough as far as I was concerned. You know, I, I like I'd like to have a week straight of that just to be able to wear your sweaters and jackets and whatever. But we had a couple of days. That was enough. That was good. It was nice to. Well, it was nice for a little while. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, just curious. I mean, uh, I know that the, there's been an effort to hire a new city manager in Naples. I just wonder if we're making any progress on that. Well, sure, Bob. They're down to three finalists, three final candidates, um, and I have their uh, their bios or resumes. Um, uh, next week, they're going to make a decision on Tuesday night, I believe, at um, the Sugden uh, Theater. They're going to have a meet the public for all three candidates uh, will be there, and, you know, the members in the public come and meet them and talk to them and what have you. Not that that would have any bearing on what what Teresa Heitman and council do, but uh, interesting that of the three of them, um, none of them have been a city manager before. Hmm. Um, the, uh, um, the the closest is a deputy town manager, um, and uh, from from uh, Palm Beach. Okay, um, and he's got a, he's got a nice resume and everything. But the point, my point is, is Naples is not exactly a learning ground on how to be a city manager. Right. You know what I mean? You'd, you'd uh, think, the, Bill, quite frankly, you'd think that uh, actually if you said that there's an opening in Naples, Florida, you would think that city managers would even say, you know, Naples, Florida, I want that job. I mean, even if I had to take a little bit of a cut, I'd like to live in Naples, Florida. Well, since you brought that up, I'll, I, I'll tell you this is, again, my opinion and from what I've heard mm -hmm. uh, through friends of mine uh, across the state. Um, and I'm going to tell you, they, the, uh, the, the candidate, the candidate uh, supply was uh, in, in lean shape uh, because they all heard and they all can watch council meetings and they all see what the disruption and the diversity that goes on uh, or, or lack of uh, that goes on down here. And uh, they don't want uh, any part of it. And I heard this from someone who really knows. I, I will um, uh, protect um, the, the name, but uh, I'll tell you what. And he just, he said to me, he said, Bill, he said, it's known statewide, okay, that uh, hmm. as beautiful and nice as Naples is, uh, it's expensive to live. And, uh, but the most important thing is, is that they don't feel they'd be able to work with uh with the uh, council, yeah, or certainly with the mayor, not so much the council, but the mayor, because she is a micromanager, at, you know, from the from the go, and she uses the city attorney to um, pretty much uh, um, is, is uh, does her her work for her. So um, that's that's the story. Now it's going to be interesting to see what they do and who they hire, if anybody. But they're down to three candidates. Um, 
Uh, and um, hmm. we'll we'll see next week, Bob. Yeah, uh, that, that that that's about all I can say on that. Um, and uh, the one is from kind of Palm Beach, Florida. Um, the other is the chief financial officer in my at in Miami Beach. Okay, very nice credentials, but uh, but a finance manager, so that's not a city manager. Mm-hmm. And um, the the um, other one is currently in in Mooresville, North Carolina, uh, and um, uh, he's the assistant town manager. Um, so, and he started there in in 2020. So as that, um, uh, so I I just don't know, Bob. I, yeah. I can't. All the city managers that I've worked with are actually hired. Um, and there weren't that many of them because they stayed on were, were just phenomenal, phenomenal people. I'm not saying that these people aren't. Right. I'm simply saying that, boy, you have to have some some tough credentials to, to come in here and be the city manager of Naples, Florida uh, and, and prior experience. So. Well, I hope they find a great candidate because, you know, if you could find someone who would perhaps not only do the job, but also create some sort of a stabilizing or a ballast for what's happening at city council would be a good thing. Well, you're, you're, you're hundred percent correct for we waste all our time. It's a, fa- it's a matter of the city manager needs to be able to do his or her job period right. without interference. Uh, and it says so right in the charter. So that's that. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, bef- before I let you go, Bill, any uh, thoughts or comments on what's happening around the globe uh, in terms of Ukraine and other, other issues? Yeah. You know, Bob, I'm probably just like you are, and we did not discuss this. So, you know, yesterday Zelensky's speech was amazing. I don't know if you saw it or Congress. Um, he got a standing ovation. He, he, he made the point. He said he needs air power. He, you know, he needs that protection. He needs those MIGs. And, and Joe said, uh, uh, nope, no, just not going to, not going to do that. Uh, whatever, even Congress has, is, is pushing for it. So, um, hopefully he's weakening and he will, uh, he will see that they do need the air power because they're getting killed over there. Well, I don't mean that in a funny way. I mean, literally, yeah, they yeah. are getting yeah. killed. And, and it's sad to watch. And uh, granted, we've given them and we're giving and other countries are giving um, lots of money and, and weapons. And and uh, certainly the relief effort has been wonderful watching the uh, uh, watching the charities uh, bring in food and clothes, but there are still many that don't have any, uh, are not getting food and they're begging for bread and whatever. So it's a very sad situation, but something, I think it has to come to a head in a hurry. What do you think? Uh, I would agree with that. I, I tell you, I'm just taking a step back. I shared this with our listeners earlier in the show, and uh, I know this is a minority point of view, but I remember how we rushed to judgment when we went to the war in Iraq and, uh, you know, the mat weapons of mass destruction and all that. Well, again, right. this is a, we get all these emotions going and everything appears to be black and white. You know, well, I don't think it is that way. I mean, uh, Soros had something to do with the selection of uh, Zelensky in, in his position right now. Uh, I just worry that uh, the devil's in the details and we ought to take a step back and certainly support. We want to, we want to take care of the people in in uh, Ukraine, but uh, I'm very concerned about uh, the uh, the under the uh, underbelly of this whole entire situation of what's really going on internationally and globally with regard to the politics. Yeah, I I think you have to look at that position very very carefully, and I I think that uh, that the president is probably um, holding back. I mean, Congress is pushing him to do it, and I think it, the heat could be off of him. I mean, if he says, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this," he's got full support. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not just one person, and I think that because um, uh, everybody's looking to to cover up if they're gonna make a huge decision like that. Um, but I think he's got he's got the okay, but just not doing it is taking your point, okay? Of like, what are we really gonna get into? Yeah. You know what I mean? I do indeed. Bill Barnett again, former mayor of Naples arguably the greatest mayor ever in the history of Naples. <laughs> Bill, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show so much. Thank you well, so much thank, for joining us. You have a good rest of the week, and I'll speak to you next week. Take I'll look, care. I'll look forward to it, Bill. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with 
William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Always look forward to getting his points of view on what's happening on Capitol Hill. Larry Bell, Endowed Professor at the University of Houston of Space Architecture and author of many books, will be joining us. We'll also visit with uh, Sal Nuzzo from the James Madison Institute. Uh, we'll be talking about his summary and the James Madison Institute summary of what happened in Tallahassee during this last legislative session. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.